Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffrey Kennedy, author of Epic Fantasy Romance. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. <sighs> Awfully damn good. Today is Monday, November 21st. Uh, yeah, week of U.S. Thanksgiving. So I've got... Um, busy couple of weeks ahead, as I've been mentioning. I may or may not do a podcast tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, big news is the long night of the Radiant Star is live. Yep, it's out in the world. Uh, Jack and Stella's midwinter holiday uh, drama-filled wedding. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy to have it out there. I suspect that, uh, well, I hope you all like it. Um, I'm glad I did it. It's the first time I've done a midwinter holiday novella by myself as opposed to, you know, like with the crew of people. Uh, so, and I didn't have any pre-order. It's been a while since I've uh, released a book with no pre-orders, but um there's something I need to mail, isn't it? But it's, uh, yeah. yeah. It's going to be what it is, right? So hopefully you all will be excited to receive it. Um, the, the beta readers seem to like it. So, so there we are. And in two weeks, I'm going to re-release Five Golden Rings my um christmas in the caribbean kinky 12 days of christmas bdsm contemporary romance from long ago uh the cover's really pretty so i'm going to um i don't know what i'm gonna do maybe i'll just release it as is uh so i'm gonna do that well i'm gonna set up pre-orders i mm, guess i haven't thought this through uh, I'll probably have assistant Kareem do the cover reveal. How's that? Let's do it that way. Yeah. It's kind of been confusing for the both of us doing both of these releases at the same time because I had said something to her a couple of weeks ago about the cover for The Long Night of the Radiant Star and a fix on it. And she said, well, I don't think I've seen that one yet. And I said, yes, you have. Because I remembered her saying that she really liked it. So I sent it to her again and she's like oh <laughs> she's like you're right she said i've been so focused on the facets of passion covers that i forgot about those uh so um so yeah she doesn't have enough to do and it's not thanksgiving in the netherlands so we'll have her do that cover reveal <laughs> news to you kareen <laughs> so so that'll carry us through christmas uh so yeah um Lots of running around tomorrow, fly to Tucson tomorrow night, fly home to Santa Fe Saturday morning, get back midday um, that evening. I'll drive down to Albuquerque and stay at an airport hotel. So I'll have, you know, the afternoon to kind of make my turnaround and then fly out to, um, have I, I, I know I haven't said specifically where I'm going, but I feel like I can generally say where I'm going. I'm going to Kauai. And uh, 
yeah, very excited to be in Hawaii and uh, spend some time on the beach, spend some time with some riding friends. And it's going to be lovely, lovely and relaxing. And I will not be podcasting. So alas, my poor mother, you all could like send her clips of about your lives to make her happy. So um, I was going to show you all this. It's I got these. Um, if you're on video, you can see them anyway. When I was in New Orleans, I got these little things. Uh, they're from the Vampire Cafe. They're little skulls on the sticks, you know, like the stirrers for cocktails. The very charming bartender gave me these two. I brought one for Dorinda Jones because she has to have it. And then she offered me a second Uh so I have one for me too. And she let me pick my color. This was the last one in the cup. And I thought maybe it was the last one there. And I said, what kind of drink do I have to buy to get this? Thinking of Dorinda, because Dorinda, when I am away, all I think about is you. Uh, I'm like, I have to get this for Dorinda. So then she, but then she like opens a pack and she's got all these married colors. And she said, well, do you want one for yourself? Because I said it was for my friend. And I, and she let me pick the color and I said, teal. And she said, oh, interesting choice uh of course it's the vampire cafe so they have to present themselves as being witchy and so forth but i was like why is teal an interesting poise choice and she said well it's it's kind of i don't know it's controlled chaos and oh difficult to explain and so i was like okay but i turned to kelly who was sitting there at the bar with me having a drink and i said you know i feel like controlled chaos is kind of my brand <laughs> I mean, it is, right? Um, I am the meticulous volcano. Uh, so so there is that. I remember uh, a friend of mine told me that she had read that gardening styles were kind of tied to people's feeling of controlling control in life. We could take this as a hypothesis anyway. Uh, and she said that people with very, very controlled, meticulous gardens tend to feel not in control of their lives. Whereas people who feel in control of their lives have these wild, chaotic gardens. And at the time I was still living in Laramie and she turns and looks at my wild and completely chaotic garden and she's like, yeah. I was like, yeah, that's probably true. Uh, meticulous volcano. This is how I do everything, right? So I didn't know that teal, choosing teal was that choice. <sighs> so I had a good weekend. I did um, a lot of stuff. I, I feel very, excuse me, very accomplished. I queued up blog posts for this week and for next week for the SFF7. And then our... Um, our Monday person has not been able to post in a long time. I don't know if you all follow that, but James has not been in good health. And then our Sunday person messaged last night that she had a family emergency, so she wasn't going to be able to post on Sunday. So I just went ahead and pushed the one I'd already scheduled because I'm so ahead of the thing um, live uh, already. I'd scheduled it for Wednesday, but now it's live. So I'm feeling very accomplished that way. Um, you know, got long night, all queued up. Uh, got laundry done, got the house fixed up. Uh, my husband's sister and brother-in-law and their daughter are all coming to stay with David while I'm in Hawaii. And 
So I was doing some things to get the house ready for them. And yeah, it was, it was a good weekend. It was both laid back. It was cold. It was cold here. Uh, but also I got all the things done I needed to. Uh, I still have quite a few things on my business list, but I am, I'm getting through them. And I think, I think I should be able to do them. I need to deal with health insurance. That's a biggie. Because the health insurance I had, um, they're pulling out of New Mexico. So I'm going to have to transition to a new company. Oh, joy. Uh, I did a lot this weekend, but now I can't think of all of it. Uh, I did get to see my friend Megan who has been in Paris. So she's been gone since before World Fantasy Con. So it was really great to catch up with her and hear all the gossip. Um, I, I know I've talked about this some before, but more than ever, uh, I appreciate the, the female friends, particularly the female friends in my life. And someone was laughing at me because I was referring to my bestie. And, um, and I, they commented that I have a number of besties and I was like, well, it's true. And I think it goes back to uh, a while back. I did a blog post on how there was plenty of room in my universe for five-star reads that I've never been one of these people who feels like, you know, I can only give five stars to certain books that has to be, you know, like only a certain percentage get that, uh, there's a lot of room in my world for bests and, and I think that's really wonderful. Uh, so having all of these, uh, friends who are, you know, like my local bestie and my online besties who I get to see sometimes and not others, uh, they're just a huge part of my life. And I feel like it's something that, uh, maybe men too, but I could feel like I could speak for, for women you know, that as our parents age and as our spouses age and perhaps predecease us or our lives change, you know, that it's these women friends who are the constants of our lives, which is different from when I was younger. Um, I know I'm always trying to figure out what this book was that I read and I gave it away to somebody, but it was an essay collection on losing female friendships. You know what? I'm going to Google it again. Oh my God, you guys, I found it. Ah, you all, I was so excited that I lapsed. Uh, it's called the friend who got away 20 women's true life tales of friendships that blew up, burned out or faded away. Ah, I'm so glad that I found this again. Uh, I will link to it. I'll give you the Goodreads link in the show notes. I highly, highly recommend this book. I'm going to see if I reviewed it. It does not have amazing reviews. I did review it. So I probably could have found it through Goodreads. Ah, alas. Um, but yes, I gave it five stars. So I will, um, I will share this link and well, maybe, well, I'll think about it. I was just thinking maybe I should buy another copy. Anyway, let me read you the description here. It says, um, well, we don't need to do that, do we? A lot of really good authors in here. 
Actually, I'm going to read it to you. Ha ha ha. Um, losing a friend can be as painful and as agonizing as a divorce or the end of a love affair, yet it is rarely written about or even discussed. The Friend Who Got Away is the first book to address this near universal experience, bringing together the brave, eloquent voices of writers like Francine Prose, Katie Roif, Dorothy Allison, Elizabeth Strout, Anne Hood, Diana Abu Jabbar, Vivian Gornick, Helen Schulman, and many others. Some write of friends who have drifted away, others of sudden breakups that took them by surprise. Some even celebrate their liberation from unhealthy or destructive relationships. Yet at the heart of each story is the recognition of a loss that will never be forgotten. Uh, and it was just a really, really good read for me at a time when I needed a good read like that. Um, because I have had some female friendships that kind of self-destructed. But it seems like they self-destruct within a certain period of time. Uh, or they just dissipate. And this was something that really came out in the book was that that this just happens. Uh, you know, like with families, we kind of have to learn to put up with each other. But with friendships, a small thing can happen. And it's like, eh, it's not worth it. Uh and that also so many friendships are predicated on doing things together at the same time. Uh, so, you know, like raising kids together or you're at a job together or you're living in the same neighborhood together. And when those circumstances change, that friendship's no longer there. So admittedly, most of my besties right now, with the exception of Megan, although we became friends because of writing, because she was also writing, she is no longer. But most of my besties are writers. And so ostensibly, it's because we all share this thing that we are doing. And if we stop doing it, would that change? I don't know. I kind of think not, because these just feel like really core relationships in my life now. And I am... Um, immensely immensely grateful for them so let's see what else do i have to tell you all oh i started the bandits book started that on friday it was really fun i've i bought the movie and i it's kind of cool i mean technology right that i can play the movie on my computer and take notes at the same time so on Friday, <clears throat> I went through the opening sequence. And for those of you who have heard me geek out on structure, I looked at what I thought were sort of the, the sequence that formed scene one. And I wrote down the time signatures. Okay, so for those of you who don't know that, I haven't, that I've talked about this before, but you haven't heard, sorry, that wasn't coherent. I, I like to use the eight scene three act structure. So that means that um, Act 1 is the first 25%. Act 2 is the middle 50%. Act 3 is the last 25%. Within those, are it's evenly broken up into eight scenes. And this is like from screenwriting stuff. So scene 1 goes halfway through Act 1. So that's 12.5%. Uh, then scene 2 finishes out act one. There are four scenes in the middle act. So scenes four, five, six, and seven, you have midpoint in there at 50%. Then scenes seven and eight are the last quarter. And you can really 
learn a lot about story structure by watching movies that you love and tracking the time signature. So this one's older, so it's a little bit different because there's a fairly long credit sequence at the beginning. Modern movies, modern movies, movies today very rarely have an opening credit sequence. It goes right in. Uh, but I included this credit sequence and paid attention to what it was setting up about the story and went through what I thought was scene one and it came out to like 11%. So I thought, okay, you know, for, for me watching, let's open this up. Um, watching time it's here somewhere there we go it's only what is it 12 minutes yeah is that right oh wait hold on let me pause you okay so for me watching this was about the first 10 minutes of the movie and it's not a long movie it's like an hour and 27 minutes so it comes out to 11 percent and i was like boom there's scene one. So this is where writing becomes different than movie watching, right? Because 10 minutes of a movie, boom, 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 goes really fast, right? A lot of, sh lot of images, right? Especially that opening uh, credits is two minutes long. And two minutes of that is like no dialogue at all. It's all music and images. So for me, that's like the first 9,000 words. If I'm shooting for like 80K, which is what I'm doing. So, so trying to find a way to make that prose move as fast as the movie does is a challenge. And also, and Dorinda and I were talking about this, there is that sense in the movie, especially with like that two minute opening sequence. How do you replicate that in a book, especially if you're doing like close third person POV? Uh, you know, it's sort of like, I, I haven't written that omniscient camera. And that's how we talk about point of view sometimes. It's like, where's the camera? And starting with that big omniscient camera and bringing it in and zeroing in and coming in very close until you're like writing right behind the character's head. Uh, and so I thought I was going to write this opening sequence that I was going to try to replicate that credit sequence in a way uh, with the big pan back. And then I couldn't do it. <laughs> Um, so, but I think I found the right place to start. It could change. Um, finding the right place to start is always difficult. Um, but I ended up basically doing the modern thing and I cut the opening credit sequence and went right to, uh, that first scene. So I might look and see, yeah, I probably won't. I was going to say, I might look and see if, uh, that, first scene should be, you know, if it goes like a little bit longer, but I think that's where scene one ends with the movie. Um, my book obviously won't be the same. And I have to do, that's the thing with being writers is we have to establish the world with words, right? We don't get that nice big pan. Uh, I remember watching some of that, you know, paying attention to that in movies, you know, when the movie opens up with the big panning sequence showing you the landscape and all this kind of thing. And it's like they can do in a 30 second pan what takes us chapters, chapters of words to explain. 
Uh, but that's the challenge, isn't it? But, so uh, we'll see how I'm doing tomorrow. If I feel on top of things, I will podcast. Otherwise, uh, I will not be back again for a little while. So uh, I will miss you all. I will miss chatting with you. I, But um, I'm really looking forward to this retreat. So uh, you all take care. You have a wonderful Monday, a wonderful week. If you celebrate Thanksgiving this week, I hope that it is uh, enriching in all the best ways and that there's very little drama. You all take care. Bye-bye.